Today's episode of the Hop4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Charles Farham. Charles Farham have been hop factors and merchants since 1865 and hop growers for even longer than that. While importing a vast catalogue of international hops, they have also developed their own varieties through their hop development programme, set up to create wildly different aromas and flavours, whilst also working closely with growers to produce varieties with good yields and disease resistance. Every year, a new class of plants are set off on their journey, involving disease assessments, aroma assessments and plot and brewing trials to get from 10,000 individual variety seedlings to one super successful variety for commercial release. The Farrams family range brings to you Archer, Emperor, Godiva, Harlequin, Jester, Most, Mystic, Olicana and Opus. They stock nitrogen flushed leaf hops, T90 pellets and T45 pellets and to ensure their hops remain in optimum condition they have state-of-the-art cold stores at their sites in Worcestershire UK and in Yakima USA with their Yakima site being a staging point for quality checks and the safe journey of US hops to the UK. Charles Farham are fully committed to providing quality hops to customers at home and around the globe through their well-hopped quality program. And did you know they also supply yeast? malt, fruit purees and other brewing products. Get one delivery and one invoice. The range and product specifications can be found on their website, charlesfarrow.co.uk. If you'd like more information or expert advice on the different uses, applications and recipes, one of their technical advisors will be really happy to help. Visit charlesfarrow.co.uk. That's charlesfarrow.co.uk for more details and to connect with one of their team. I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hop Forward podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a show entirely dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a beer and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello friends and welcome to another sesh on the Hot 4 podcast. Firstly, a disclaimer. Though tis the saison to be jolly and the most wonderful time for a beer, this episode isn't going to be all ho-ho Idaho 7. As you may have ascertained, things aren't looking great for businesses at the moment. And if I'm honest, I haven't felt good in and of myself recently. It's been a long time coming, truth be told, for numerous reasons, most of which I'll reserve for a face-to-face conversation with you over a pint sometime. But having said that, I don't think I'm the only one who has been finding life and times tough recently. I've had many, many conversations with friends from within the industry about the state of things, how bizarre and strange this year has been, how challenging and unpredictable business is, and how they too have felt low of late. While I certainly don't want to be a doom goblin, things really aren't looking too rosy for the craft beer industry, at least here in the United Kingdom. And when you work in that industry day in, day out, and see the ripple effect, it takes an enormous amount of energy to stay positive. Energy that, quite frankly, I don't have at the moment. For example, according to Steve Dunkley from Manchester's Beer Nouveau, 
There have been at least 48 closures in 2022, according to a recent blog post of his. And that doesn't include Bia Nouveau itself, which unfortunately and really sadly is closing down. Of these are some notably long-standing breweries, including Skinner's, Jennings and Kenham Island Brewery, though the latter was rescued by a group of local entrepreneurs in Sheffield that included James O'Hara of O'Hara Spice Rum and the music festival Tramlines, his brother, a financial analyst, Tom, and Simon Webster and Jim Harrison of Thornbridge Brewery. Unfortunately, the general mood and feeling here is that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. I hope for all our sakes we're wrong. After all, we predicted swathes of breweries would close as a result of the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. While some did fall by the wayside, many others survived and are still intact today. But it's hard to go on social media and see on a weekly basis breweries, bars and bottle shops closing. Even harder when you see several announcements of closures in one day. I'm not entirely sure how things are panning out elsewhere in the world. And if you're one of our many international listeners, drop me a message and let us know. But back in dear old Blighty, a perfect storm has been brewed for quite some time. An unhealthy combination of the war in Ukraine pushing up wholesale energy and raw material prices, the global recession, inflation, the cost of living crisis, the dreaded B word, Brexit, and the fallout from the pandemic are doing untold damage to businesses and livelihoods. While social media is awash with breweries marketing their most recent beer releases and craft beer looks fine and dandy from the outside, when you talk behind closed doors to business owners, many are laying out the implications of uncertain times in no uncertain terms and how it's affecting their business. Of course, not many people want to spell this out publicly nor give the impression that they're struggling. Not until it's too late, that is. One person I've been chewing the fat with recently about the state of things is Dave Hayward from A Hoppy Place, a bottle shop and bar in Windsor that also opened a bigger site a few months ago in Maidenhead. Dave's become a good friend over the last few years and someone whose opinions, openness and honesty I really value. If you remember the episode we recorded at Alphabet Brewery in Manchester, he tends to talk very candidly without shying away from the issues. So this week's recording is more of an informal conversation between the two of us more than anything. Although we talk about the cost of living and the impact it's having on businesses, we also chat about sales and how brewers approach bars and bottle shops to sell their beers. We discuss charity beers and people aligning themselves with particular values and why fostering a community spirit within your brewery taproom or bar is an asset that no amount of money can buy. So before me and Dave put the world to rights, I'm joined for this week's technical feature by Charles Farham's technical director, Will Rogers. Hello. Hi, Nick. Nice to see you. How are things this week? Always challenges in the brewing industry, as you know, but uh, it, it's, it's good. Thank you. Well, we might as well just dive straight in there. Now we're talking about the challenges. So costs are going up astronomically, raw materials, processing aids, and I would imagine uh, the, the cost of hops uh, going up as part of that, uh, just like everything is because of inflation. Let's just dive straight into the heart of the issue. How can brewers save money when it comes to using hops at the moment? Because some of the um, grams per litre of dry hops, for example, are quite eye-watering, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I think it's the perfect storm for brewers in the UK um, because we've got the, the the cost of the raw material from farms increasing with, uh, you know, fertilizer costs and everything going up. But also, if you're dependent on, on US hops, we've got a currency that has gone from being $1.5 against the pound, something like that, to, to I think we're about 115 at the moment. And, you know, who's going to foot the bill for that, uh, that exchange rate difference? It, it, it's, it's a, it is an absolute nightmare. You know, it's something we're, we're suffering with as well. And, uh, you know, I think it's the perfect time for, for brewers to, to respond to that by, by looking at how and where they're using their hops, what hops they're using, and are there ways they can, they can minimise the, the damage that that, uh, that that has. The place that I would start is the easy one, the quick win. So it always amazes me that, that brewers are, are starting, you know, they, they, they'll use some high alpha US varieties like Citra or Mosaic, and they'll use them at the start of the boil, you know. They'll, they'll boil those hops for an hour. Um, and whilst they're beautiful hops and they produce fantastic beer, by the time you boil them for an hour, you're going to be getting very little other than bitterness from them. So my first advice would be if you're adding them and boiling them for, for more than half an hour, you're not going to be getting anything from it. So other than bitterness, so we could replace those directly with a British or a European variety. I mean, I personally would prefer if you change them for a British variety, but you know, our advice would be look at, look at Pilgrim. Um, it's going to be a fraction of the cost. You're not at the mercy of the exchange rate. So, um, the, 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 the hops will end up being a third of the price compared with uh, with some of the imported varieties, uh, and actually, it will not. There will not be a perceivable difference in the beer. I, I guarantee you. I um, remember at Sheffield Brewery Company when I was leaving, and um, a guy called Marv came in. He used to work for Thornbridge. Going, he went through my brew sheet. Marv holds no punches back. It's very. Uh, very blunt. It's like, what are you doing? And what, what do you mean? It's like using Columbus for bittering. It's like you just throw money away, you know. And then, like, he, he's like, here's what we did at Thornbridge, and pretty much exactly what you just said. You know, they're using a, a bittering hop, and um, I've done so ever since. It always amazes me that that it, that, that it doesn't occur to people, um, and I, you know quite often brewers will ring up with with their brew sheet and they want to discuss it with me and and that that straight away is it's a quick win and i know that you know in the styles of beer that you were talking about where we're talking about massive grams per liter of dry hop um the, the bittering hops are relatively small charge but it it's a start and and from there we can we can look at other opportunities to to save some money you can take things like cascade out and replace them partially later on in the boil with with hops like jester and i know i've got a vested interest because jester is a, a charles fern variety but jester is currently 14 or 15 pounds and most brewers will be expecting to pay a third more than that 
um, for the dry hops, you had great success with the England's Green and Pleasant Land. And I think, to me, that really showcased Harlequin as a variety. I, I found that the, the blend of hops was really complex and interesting. But I think Harlequin, I don't know about you, Nick, but I, I felt that it it was the one that was punching with, with most of the, the tropical notes. So as a substitute for a late and dry hop for some US proprietaries, you can use hops like Harlequin and to a lesser extent, Olicana. Olicana could be used to reduce your reliance on the big proprietary varieties from the US. So where you want some of that mango characteristic, you can still use some of those proprietaries, but you can reduce your proportions down and use Olicana, which adds a great background depth of flavour, and, and just rely on those proprietary hops for the, the high notes. As well as substitution, let's talk about crops from a few years ago, because I know a lot of the time there's this whole thing of fresh is best when it comes to um, hops in particular in beer. And so it's very easy for brewers to get into the mindset of, oh, I need, I need the latest crop yield. It all has to be super fresh. I need to get that beer really out the door. But actually, I know I've used varieties from previous crop years where you, you'll open the bag and it'll still smell amazing and be still really sticky. And it might be like a three-year-old crop. You know, I, I remember having that with mm. Nelson Savan when that was like, impossible to get hold of managed to need to get it from farums on the spot market feeling mm. like i'd won the lottery and opening this bag even though it was three years old being like that's just still smells and looks amazing when it comes to using older crop yields what considerations do brewers need to make particularly when it comes to storing those like what are the best ways to store them once that bag's been opened once the bag's been opened it is much trickier depending on where your hops have have been packaged but speaking from what we do we pack with nitrogen which displaces any oxygen in the pack once we seal them up we give them a five-year best before date but to be quite honest many years ago there was a shortage of chinook and a brewery customer of ours was desperate for chinook it went in their flagship beer and i scoured all over the place and i found I think it was five tons of Chinook in Yakima, which had been held in a cold store for a brewery that actually had gone bankrupt. And it was 10 years old. And I, I was very skeptical about it, as you'd imagine. I mean, yep. who wants to brew with 10-year-old hops? But the the company that, that had bought the stock sent me a sample of it. And I was absolutely blown away. They they smelt like fresh hops and they'd been stored at zero at freezing point in a dry store and the vacuums were all good on the packs and those hops were fantastic and I sent a sample to the brewery that used them and they were absolutely delighted and I didn't hear any negative feedback on the hops themselves when they were using them and it's you know quite a large volume. Mm. So when you open a pack you want to keep them really cold. So Ideally, you want to freeze them, but one of the worst enemies of hop freshness is actually moisture. And a domestic freezer tends to draw in moisture, as you'll notice whenever you put something in the freezer at home, it comes out with frost all over the, the outside of it. So you really need to make sure you seal them down well. In an ideal world, you'd probably vacuum seal them, um, depending on what you have access to. But you seal them down, you'd freeze them, 
and I would use them within a month. And if you open the bag, once they come back up to ambient temperature and you can't smell anything, I wouldn't use them. You know, hops are bringing the aroma and flavor to your beer. If you open the bag and you can't smell anything, it's not going to appear in the brew. So, yeah, my advice, if it's something you need to do regularly, I would buy some airtight packaging that you can you can put the, the part bags into. Uh, and anything that you can evacuate any air out of, you know, the, the tighter the better, basically, for the packaging. Uh, and definitely must be moisture-free. And the colder you can get them, the better. Excellent. And what are some other ways, when it comes to hops, brewers could potentially save money? One of the ways that is often overlooked is actually forward contracting. It's difficult to look further ahead, but if you have a brew that, consistently needs the same level of hops and it's maybe your core beer or one of your core beers growers will grow the hops for contracts and generally speaking the contract price is lower than the spot price they want the confidence to grow those hops going forwards so if you offer them a contract if you come to us we, we always back the contracts up from the brewers directly to the growers it gives them security and actually this year when there's been a shortage across europe and and in the us as well as the, the crop is in fact 15 to 20 percent short of an average crop that forward contracting really isolates you from those those issues mm. so we've got growers who've who've honored their contracts even though it's been difficult this year and in return, we have actually just gone back and offered our growers a little bit more money where we can to, to help them, knowing that their costs have all gone up. So the security we've got from, from the, the brewers contracting with us has allowed us to, to secure that supply chain for them. And, and actually, in the long term, that is the way to buy hops most cost-effectively, is to have a good relationship through your merchant with your grower. Amazing. Well, well, thanks for being on the show again this week. How can people get in touch with Charles Farham and talk about substitutions and contracts and all things hop related? So the first thing to do is contact your sales manager. You should already be in touch with them. If you're not, they're all on our website and, and you can speak to them. And if there's any specialist knowledge you need or you need further advice, then they, they will put you through to part of the technical team who, who, who can help you further. Awesome. Thank you. Before we crack open this week's discussion with Dave Hayward from Hobby Place, we've got some exciting guests and announcements coming up on the Hopful podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you don't already, as we'll be talking to Sheffield's Triple Point Brewing about all things sales. We'll be chatting to Blunt Rock a nano brewery based in shipping containers opposite Sharps in Cornwall. There's a contrast for you. We'll be discussing all things Lambic with Carl from Belgian's Boone, and we'll be exploring upscaling a brew house with Quantock Brewing. In addition to all that, I'll be posting more fermenting thoughts with a new regular co-host, which is very exciting. It's all on the download at the moment, so you'll have to stay tuned for that. But that is coming your way very, very soon. 
Finally, before we hear a word from this week's sponsor, I want to offer an apology. In the recording you're about to hear, I referred to David Eastwood's brewery as South End Brewing, when actually his brewery is called the South Sea Brewing Company. Many apologies, Dave. If you want to hear Dave talking about his brewery and his tap room and look at the viability of running a nano brewery brew pub model, then go back to the episode we recorded back in July and you can check that out for yourself. Other than that, stay tuned, stay positive, subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and all that jazz. Cheers. This show is only made possible by our supplier sponsors who support this podcast on a regular basis and offer support and insights to all our listeners within the craft beer industry, whatever your need. Today's episode of the Hop4 podcast is proudly sponsored by Charles Farham. Charles Farham have been hop factors and merchants since 1865 and hop growers for even longer than that. While importing a vast catalogue of international hops, they have also developed their own varieties through their hop development program, set up to create wildly different aromas and flavours, whilst also working closely with growers to produce varieties with good yields and disease resistance. Every year, a new class of plants are set off on their journey, involving disease assessments, aroma assessments, and plot and brewing trials to get from 10,000 individual variety seedlings to one super successful variety for commercial release. The Farrams family range brings to you Archer, Emperor, Godiva, Harlequin, Jester, Most, Mystic, Olicana, and Opus. They stop nitrogen flushed leaf hops, T90 pellets and T45 pellets. And to ensure their hops remain in optimum condition, they have state-of-the-art cold stores at their sites in Worcestershire, UK and in Yakima, USA, with their Yakima site being a staging point for quality checks and the safe journey of US hops to the UK. Charles Farham are fully committed to providing quality hops to customers at home and around the globe through their well-hopped quality program. And did you know they also supply yeast, malt, fruit purees and other brewing products? Get one delivery and one invoice. The range and product specifications can be found on their website, charlesfarrow.co.uk. If you'd like more information or expert advice on the different uses, applications and recipes, one of their technical advisors will be really happy to help. Visit charlesfarrow.co.uk. That's charlesfarrow.co.uk for more details and to connect with one of their team. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You can find out more about Hop Forward and the work we do within the industry at our website, hopforward.beer, or follow us on social media at hopforwardbeers. And if you really wanted to go the extra mile, you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify with what you think about this podcast. For now, let's crack open this week's discussion. Should we do the obligatory cheers, Dave? Absolutely right. I've okay. got a crack mine, so. Okay, well, I've got a crack mine too. So I'll <laughs> let you go first because uh, mine might be a little bit left of field. Right, okay. <laughs> the anticipation. So what, what, I know. What are so you this, drinking? Um, so, so this is the very end of the batch of collaboration beers that uh, we brewed for the launch of Hoppy Place 2, ah. um, which is a which is very relevant, bearing in mind we're recording at 8.40 on a Wednesday evening. 
um, as a start time, it's the illusion of being awake, um, <laughs> which is a five percent espresso stout that we brew with wild weather. So I, I figured I figured I might need a coffee to keep myself vaguely um, alive for the next hour and a bit. Ah, well there you go. <laughs> and if I can combine coffee and beer, I will. So. Happy days. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, um, I've got Mash Gang um, Sour Batch Hops. So have you had this? I've not had that one. Um, I, I've had several Mash Gang in. Um, obviously, they sell great. The branding's really mm. good. No, no, tell me about that one. Um, so I was given it by the guys from Brewery Market. I kind of had a bit of a revelation, something like that, recently, <laughs> um, that I'm possibly drinking a bit much. So yeah. I think that it's funny. I, I went back and listened to a podcast episode I did with a US brewer a while ago. It was called The Under Beer Belly of the Craft Brewing Industry. I think it was about alcoholism. And um, it was so interesting listening back to me saying a lot of the stuff. I'm like, I really ought to take a leaf out of my own book from circa 2019 or 2020, whenever it was. Yeah. And it's funny how it can kind of creep in after a bit where mm-hmm. working in the industry, obviously it's half of course, isn't it? Drinking beers and stuff. But then it's like slowly but surely the weekend can extend from a Friday and a Saturday to a Thursday to a Wednesday yeah. to yeah. a Tuesday yeah. and so yeah. on. So I'm making a concerted effort just to kind of try and keep beer within a Friday and Saturday. I think that's, that, that's a sensible shout, mate. <laughs> yeah. Or alcohol, I should say, rather than beer. Yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy beer. So um, I'm going to crack this open and... Um, and go alcohol free. Oh my word, it's green. So have you had you I guess that means you've not had this particular one before. I have never had this before. In fact, that's like a blue. Look at that. Yeah, that that's that's that's, that's a lot. That's wow. So oh my word. It looks a lot like, although it'd be a very different beer, I'm sure. But we had the goosebumps from Vault City on that Halloween. Okay. And it was just that, it was just that it's it sort of that sort of tealy turquoise, whatever that is. And yeah, when you're pouring it, it's like What's happening here? <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm a bit perturbed, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and see what this is like. I'd probably say that was more like a soda than a beer. I mean, it's pleasant. Okay. It's a nice. It's a nice sort of sweet drink. I, I definitely wouldn't put that in the beer category. I mean, it's, have you got sort of any detectable work or, or beer? Or no, there's no. There's, it's got cryopop. Um, I can't really pick that up. I mean, it says on the back lots of sugar. It says low alcohol <laughs> cereal milk pale ale. It's definitely not a beer but it's a pleasant it's a pleasant drink don't get me wrong it's like a nice fruity slightly sour teal colored drink um, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't call it a beer but I've, heard, I've heard loads of good things i don't want to disrespect okay. nash gang because i was like like you said i've no, seen I their mean, branding they, they it looks awesome some, they brew all ends of the spectrum they yep. they, they did um what was it called ness it was a ness quick beer which was like what you're drinking now but pink instead right. of green it was exactly the same thing it was just this sort of sugar syrup madness which yep. i i'm not sure i could have called beer either but on the other end of the spectrum they did uh stoop and also chug two two beers of theirs that are both genuinely absolutely fantastic um 0.5 pale ales so he you know alex i think is i think i'm right in saying alex he knows he knows what he's doing with with the af but he, he does do some crazy stuff as well yeah i mean this is this is Crazy, but I've, I read the other day about, um, I think it was like a West Coast IPA, like a, a AF West Coast IPA. And- they did one with Trinity, which uh, the can looked, um, you know, John at Trinity, the can looked a bit like Pliny the Elder. It was green and red. Right. And it was definitely the best AF beer I've ever had, actually. Yeah, I, I, it must have been the same beer because lots of people on Untapped when I was just looking yeah. in, into them were raving about it. So I'm really 
you know, this is my first experience and I've obviously gone in at like J.L. Tolkien, you know, it's like you, you're going at The Hobbit, you don't go in yeah. at the Cimmerillion or like, the, you know, the other tales of Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, right, the ones, the ones that he talked about just a little bit. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 Naomi and I, I can't remember the timing, maybe it was January, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but that, that beer came out, that Trinity collab, right as we were going through a few weeks off ourselves. We got sort of 24 cans into Windsor Hoppy, and I think we just took about 18 at the moment. <laughs> um, it, it was, because it was a revelation. Um, it was a very, very good beer. Happy days. Brill, I mean, so it's been a while since you've been the Hot 4 podcast in uh, Manchester. Indeed. Incidentally. Yeah. Um, so h- how have you been? How's the shop been? Obviously, you've opened up a new site at Maidenhead. Well, yeah, the, the shops now. Um, so since, since we spoke up in Manchester, we got our second unit open and trading, uh, which we did in June this year 24th of June sort of quite open about the reasons that I did that um we well (laughs) I was very tired I'm still very tired but um I've been living this double life of sorts and and it's because Windsor the Windsor hobby place for any for anyone who's not been you can see about 20 people uh it's small it looks after itself uh you know our staff are paid it's still profitable which in this current energy crisis is quite the thing but um it's never, it's never going to give me my career in beer, which is where I want to be. Yeah, we sort of had a conversation quite a long time about, you know, you know, it's really expand or or, or die, or certainly expand or find someone else to do my bit, and I'm never going to be involved myself, which, which isn't, you know, it's not what I wanted. So we went for a second place, um, which has been open now for five months, um, which has been sensational so far. Really, really positive. Um, it's in our hometown, so so Windsor's about eight miles away from where. Right. I'm sat down uh, speaking to you now, which is at home in, in Maidenhead. And I guess we didn't do it a few years ago because Maidenhead didn't quite feel ready for it. Uh, it it's a town that's got a huge amount of development happening literally right now, and it seems to be sort of recovering or on the up. And um, yeah, it's been good. So it's, it's, it's going well. Yeah. Has it really been five months? Yeah. Well, June, July, August, September. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that's that's crazy. I didn't. I, it only seemed like I was looking at it online yesterday, you know. Um, wow, five months. So, I mean, how, how have those five months been? Because one of the reasons I want to get you on the podcast this week, is I, I, I put out some feelers out there onto a, a Facebook group about asking for feedback from brewers and suppliers and bars and bottle shop owners and so on about how, how things actually are at the moment. Because I'm having lots yeah. of conversations off the record about how things are terrible. And I thought, well, I could put a feature together <laughs> and, and look at the whole supply chain. And I literally had one audio response, which was from you and a text message from another <laughs> brewer. So I thought it'd probably just be easier in the interest of putting a podcast together if I just spoke to you. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, you know, my, my, my view was maybe a, a little gloomy, but there are still a lot of positives to glean from it. I'm, I'm sure we'll pick into the detail, but, you know, we're, we're in a very privileged position in that we took on a brand new unit. We're not tied to anyone. Um, we're not paying pub uh, rents and rates. And, and we're paying a, a fair price for our beer, not massive markups. Uh, and that all said and done, it's still quite tough right now. Right. Um, and, you know, what, what's making it for us is not small pack because we, when we talked in Manchester, we were talking about changing consumer habits and, and how bottle shops like myself, and I think lots of them, so I speak to lots of bottle shop owners, we were seeing a fall in small pack sales, whether or not that was going into the hands of the breweries or, or as I think is the case, especially now within the cost of living crisis, either to the supermarket or just people are drinking less. That small pack that I'm going to have a few cans of something on the sofa a few times a week or at the weekend is that I've seen a real drop off. And right. yeah, we're, we're, we're lucky in a way, although I did, you know, I did do it on purpose, but 
we've got the draft as well. That really is how we're getting by. And it's, it's still not easy, but but we are getting by. And it's those drinking sales that are doing it for us. Why do you think small packs dropped off then? Do you think it's supermarkets predominantly or? I think there's got to be a number of things going on. One is, yeah, people are moving back to supermarkets. I don't necessarily feel that's because supermarkets are aggressively targeting the bottle shop sector. I actually, if anything, I've seen that they've dropped their ranges very slightly from, mm. from where they're Well, I've noticed um, that. Yeah, I think there's less craft beer in supermarkets, which, you know, depending on your view on on the gateway uh, beer, which, which, you know, we could talk about people way into craft, it, you might think that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I'm not I'm not sure it's um, it's them directly coming after us. I think it's, you know, partly the very, very dedicated craft drinkers are, are buying direct from breweries and not from the guys in the middle because, you know, they want value for money. They yep. want their craft beer, but, you know, even if I'm only getting 70p on, the, on their five quid can or whatever it is 70p they don't need to be paying if they go direct to the brewery and they're prepared to have a little bit less variety in exchange for for savings so that's definitely a part of it and i don't necessarily begrudge brewers that it's just you know a market trend that came out through covid that everyone realized well you know why, why, why are we giving this margin to that guy over there why don't why don't we hang on to it and um that that's all that and, and then look this has come hand in hand as well in with the cost of living crisis people have dramatically less than they did so maybe that means they're going from uh, a bottle shop back to a supermarket or maybe it means they're not buying a craft can in a supermarket anymore they're, they're buying one of those chain macro beers again uh, or maybe it means they're, they're cutting out drinking altogether um there, there's a lot there, 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 there's a lot of small impacts i think that are painting this big picture yeah i was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently about the impending recession which we're pretty much, I think, heading into. And he was saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, in a recession, people pay for small luxuries. And I said, yeah, in the last recession, because before people were having TVs put up in the bathroom or buying a third car or going to Lanzarote for the weekend or, you know, and then on a a cruise around the world the following week, you know, all all these silly, outrageous things which no one could afford to do on credit anymore. So they started buying artisan bread and coffee and craft beer started to become a thing and so on. And I said, but the difference this time is back then, if I went into a supermarket, for example, I couldn't get a 8.5% dipper. That was like pretty nice beer, to be honest with you. (laughs) You had to go to the independent bottle shops and the breweries and whatnot. Whereas now you can go to a grocery store and pick up an 8.5% dipper from a well-respected brewery or two. And yeah, like you say, you know, I've I've noticed as well that in one supermarket, they've dialed back a lot of the brewers they were getting in and now they focus on the main, quote, unquote, main few. But then in another one, I went in, they've installed fridges. I'm like, you've got like craft beer fridges in a supermarket, you know? So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very strange time. Yeah, not much to add to that. Yeah. It, it, and who knows where we'll end up six mm. months from. Well, I, I think, you know, it, it depends what this recession looks like. I think we're there now. Um, I don't think it's on the horizon anymore. Um, you know, there might be another month because we're coming into December. Where, where people throw caution to the wind a bit and, and have their Christmas and have their meetups with their family. Uh, and I think in January and February, it's going to start to bite. And um, we've got um, a new financial year in April and, and a lot of concern about what that might mean for businesses when it when it hits as well. So it's, it's going to be a tough little while, I think. Yeah. Come the new year then, how do you see the industry panning out? <laughs> um, so we're... we're 
I've seen this again it's like a week or so to go out so we're, we're recording the evening before the autumn statement on the budget uh, maybe something helpful comes out of that with, uh, tomorrow um, if, if it doesn't the thing that really terrifies me is rates demands in April um, I think you know we, we, we'll tick through until that point but as things stand there's been no conversations about freezes of rates demands in April and all of these companies that have got all of their bounce back loan debt um, any other loans they've taken out, maybe they still owe their landlord. Suddenly, they're going to also get hit with many thousands of pounds. Maybe, you know, my two sites, the, the combination of the two will be 17, 17 grand. That'll be asked for in one lump in April. If not, oh, my word. Um, <laughs> and that's just, that's that, that's for two relatively small sites combined. Um, it That's a big risk. That's a big fear for everyone. But But I definitely think, you know, the usual belt tightening that happens in January with people's credit card debt, you know, maybe they've had a few few too many days out in, in, in December. That's going to be tighter than ever this year. I mean, yeah, it's not, milk's gone up by 20%. Everything's gone up by 20%. It's it's tough for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to the Pedicle podcast at all, but Matt has referenced a tweet I think he saw about Blue Roll, like, but well, you'll be well yeah, acquainted yeah. with it. Yeah, that yeah. blue roll has gone up something like 148%. Or I might have, yeah. if, Matt, if you listen to this, I'm, I apologize for completely buttering your statistics. But <laughs> if you say it loud and confident enough, people believe you, 33% of people know that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it's, you know, that blue roll has gone up an extortionate amount. And he was saying, like, you know, if, if blue roll, a yeah. seemingly simple, Thing like that has, has skyrocketed in price what about all the rest of it like chemicals and so on yeah yeah i mean we saw i, I think uh, murphy's a couple of weeks ago put out their prices for uh, caustic which, which is it was something like a five-fold increase on the previous price yeah. in one hit it's which, absolutely astronomical yeah it's everything it's absolutely everything uh, and whether you're a consumer whether you're a bottle shop owner whether you're a brewer it yeah <laughs> I guess this ties into what we were talking about before we hit record about staying positive. Um, yeah. Because I, I find it at the moment, I'm finding it really hard to stay positive. As you say, you know, the increase is like, Emmanuel's is like, what? I'm not even one UK barrel, I'm one US barrel. <laughs> and I've noticed like when I'm ordering ingredients on such a small scale, you know, a kilo of hops or a brick of yeast, which will keep me going for a few brews, but like the price has gone up loads. You know, I'm paying loads more for like a kilo of T90 Citra, for example, than I was half a year ago. And I think if that's me yeah. thinking, yeah. maybe I need not to brew as much at the moment, because like, you know, just to keep a, a, a grip on cash flow for the my main business, like how much is yeah. that more so for brewers who, who, well, it's their bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's even more going on there because you know, a lot of these hops come in from the US and with our currency against the dollar at the moment, regardless of uh, a global recession, because, I mean, we're feeling it in the UK, but so is America, so is most of Europe and I'm sure everywhere in the world. But also our economy versus the dollar is is, is not good right yeah. now. So, yeah, I've started to talk to quite a few brewers who are talking about trying to refactor recipes to use more UK hops, um, for example, you know, sort of your Jesters and Olicanas and get rid of some of the big American hitters because you just can't afford them anymore. No, unless you want to prove the Metro finally true and, and charge £9 for a pint of payload, hmm. which, uh, you know, it, it won't go down well. So No, no. But, you know, I mean, coming back to those British hops, um, anyone who's heard me wax lyrical about Minuf on this podcast or on Twitter will know that I'm a big fan of them. But I brewed um, a beer with Charles Farham 
for an episode of the podcast um, using like Jester, Arcana, Harlequin, mm. um, Good Iver, Mystic and Most, although technically Most is Czech Republic, but it's the daughter of Mystic, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I was absolutely blown away by how hoppy it was. I mean, it had an obscene amount of dry hop in it and just even <laughs> more obscene amount of whirlpool hops. So it was, you have to throw a lot of hops at it yeah. to get that same juicy character. But I'm, I'm, I think I much prefer those, I'm, Buxton did one as well, which was a similar vibe called Brit Hop. I much prefer that kind of IPA. Maybe because I've just had so many like, oh, Citra Mosaic, Simcoe IPAs. Yeah. Um, you know, to have something that's slightly different, just, yeah. I, I, I think I'd welcome it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think like, I, I, I'm almost done with Mosaic. Um, every now and then it can come across well, but but I've had so many onion drinks um, mm. and it, it goes that way a lot. And But generally as well, now every like double New England is basically just a, a glass of like, it's all the same, it's, it's either pineapple or... or Right, so it's, it's mostly pineapple. Sometimes it's melon, but it, it, they're all very similar indeed. And I, so there's only you know, melony, pineapple, oniony drinks that I can kind of have. I've I pulled away a little bit from from that personally. Um, there's still massive demand for it, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm clearly as a bottle shop owner, maybe I'm a bit more jaded than some of our customers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to ask you about that. So, like, when you're picking beers to stock in mm. either of your shops, um, what, what is it exactly you're looking for? Like, are you literally just thinking, right? Well, I'm there, I'll shift Nipers. Oh, look, it's got Citra Mosaic Simcoe in that. That'll sell. Um, or, yeah. you know, how, how do you curate your beer list like that? It's interesting because the the demographic of both sites is almost completely different. Right. Um, there, there's, it, and, and that's not, that's just not, I don't mean the kind of person, I mean the kind of thing they drink um, okay. and the way they drink actually. So Windsor, maybe, maybe because it really became established through the pandemic, has a really loyal following of people that still enjoy small pack. So everything I've said about small pack being in decline, we sell dramatically more small pack in Windsor than we do in Maidenhead. In Maidenhead, it's all draft all the time. So point with that is like when you're looking at a draft wall, we've got little beer descriptors and Charlotte who works with us does fantastic beer boards. Um, it looks amazing, but generally speaking, people look at the price and they look at the ABV um, regardless of, of, of anything else. And, mm. and we're having to kind of pull that in a bit because prices are, are on the up and up, but I mean, they just want, they want to know if it's a hazy pale ale. They want to know, vaguely what it's fruited with and they want to know what they're paying for it um what's always said what i've always said historically about craft beer and branding is it's all about the can yeah um and, and in windsor that's still much more true it, it's it's a big branding exercise and it's artwork and fundamentally people come in because they want you know they want a verdant or or whatever the brewery is at the moment so we've got two different problems um well problems things to deal with not problems yep. they're, they're, uh, but so in windsor i still say whenever anyone comes in with a sample or tells me i should i should check out new brewery x they're brilliant um i always sort of say to them you know i've got four fridges full of cans if i bring new brewery x in who are you suggesting i don't buy anymore um <laughs> as a brewery because you know I've, I've not got any more space and i can't sell any more beer in a period of time that i need to to make sure it doesn't go out of date so so what am i dropping um I'm allowed to be much more creative in Maidenhead because it's much more draft heavy. I can get a couple of kegs, it goes, I get a couple more kegs. It's not the same 
problem as keeping a website up to date is keeping fridges full. Mm. Windsor's more hypey than Maidenhead to, to dilute it all the way down to, to, to a sentence. Right. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we, we still do local beer. Uh, obviously, we, the Berkshire's blessed anyway, so it's, it's a privilege to have so many good local breweries around. But, mm. but yeah, Maiden, Maidenhead, I get to have a few more experiments um, than I do in Windsor where we, you know, people look at the can and the brewery a little bit more. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about people mm-hmm. looking at the boards and looking at what style and ABV and what the price is. I remember talking to David Eastwood at, I think his brew is called South End and he runs a, I think it's about two and a half barrel or something. It's not, it's not big, um, but he's also got like a, a micro pub tap room um, not far from where the brewery is. So his beer all goes through there. And I, part of the reason I was doing the podcast was because I was looking into Emmanuel's and thinking, oh, well, maybe mm. I should set something up like that, like a brew mm. pub type thing. And it struck me when he said this kind of setup isn't about branding. He's like, no one cares. You know, they, yeah. they, they look at, is it, <clears throat> a, is it a blonde? Is it a IPA? Is it a best, a stout, whatever? And they're like, I want that one. And it's like, I don't care whether there's a badge or not. And he yeah, said, you know, uh, if, if, that's right. the th- if that's the thing that you're about, and obviously he's familiar with my brand. So he's like, well, and I can see that's what you're about. Maybe that's not the best approach. And that actually for a huge spanner in the works. And it's partly <laughs> why I have not pursued it any further. Cause I was a bit like, oh crap. Okay. I, maybe I'm on, I, I'm of a midpoint in that. Yeah. Having, having opened two places now and, and Naomi's the expert on, on the design of our spaces, but you know, maybe you don't need to brand the can artwork so much, but what would differentiate your brew pub or your, you know, your arch down whatever the local set of arches is from another one? And I think more and more focus now is on, you know, your average tap rooms maybe not the most comfortable experience in the world. It, it's it's cold, it's damp, there's trestle tables, it's echoey. It, you know, if you focus on creating a brand like through the spaces that you generate and how it feels and the kind of community that you bring in there's there's huge credit in that and in terms of what people are drinking yeah maybe it is a bit more in the background in a draft heavy establishment than it is when we're designing can art but your brand is the space that you curate as well mm. um, i think there you know there's a hell of a lot in in convincing people that craft beer isn't all industrial estates on the outskirts of town um you can have a really good warm like personally warm experience in them so I also think, you know, any small brewery has to sell almost all of their beer out of a, a tap room or, or brew yeah. pub to, to survive because wholesale margins are just horrific at the moment. So I don't know how you'd ever make a career in beer if you weren't moving most of your beer out of a space that you owned. Yeah, I was having this conversation with another brewery today for an, an episode of the podcast. I was just like, I, I genuinely can't see anyone who opens a brewery now who doesn't have that direct route to market yeah. and they're relying on it for their sole income. It'd be madness, complete madness. I think, I think you're right. Um, I think if you just go, Oh, if you know, I'm going to brew a 20 hectolitre batch and then I'll get onto some wholesalers and some shops and try and sell it. Absolutely. No hope. It's as simple as that. It will fail. If you don't have that route to market before you open a brewery, don't open a brewery. It's that kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> So just going back to the cost of living crisis and everything mm. then. So when it comes to like the cost that you guys are paying at a hoppy place, obviously you've got fridges and um, coolers running to keep your draft lines yeah. cold and, and rates. But what, what are some of the costs maybe that people haven't picked up on so much 
there's not uh, bills we pay where we talked about the commodity thing you know blue roll fine um but honestly there's not that much that people wouldn't have thought of it's just that the things I have thought of are horrifically more expensive than than they ought to be. Um, like uh, electric, obviously everyone knows electric's horrific at the moment. Um, in Windsor, I'm paying a third of what I am per unit in Maidenhead because I tied a good deal historically, which runs for another 18 months. Um, but also Maidenhead's triple the size. So I'm paying like 150 quid a month in Windsor and 1,400 pounds a month in Maidenhead for electricity. Um, wow. and, and what that's running is some lights, a cold store, and four fridges, realistically. There's really not much else going on. It, yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's a lot. Um, Like you said, everything, though, like all cleaning supplies have gone up. Um, You know, our line cleaners, twice what it used to be. Um, Blue roll, we talked about. There's nothing. There's nothing that hasn't significantly increased in cost. And, And clearly the only way that we can recoup any of that is in the price of the pint that we sell. Uh, but brewers have had all the same issues. So so we would love to increase our margin, you know, get get another two, three percent margin in all the beer that we sell to cover our increases, because that's the only way we can make money. The breweries have already had to tack on quite a lot more money on the price of a keg or a can. And and overall, you 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 can't. Um I'm I'm sort of leaning around trying to find breweries that maybe haven't worked out they need to increase their prices yet so that I can find enough margin to pay my bills. Yeah. And it, it's not a great situation um, for any, for anyone. <laughs> no, goodness, yeah. How do you try and stay chipper in all this? I know. I know again, I know from the conversation we're having before we hit record, it's it's very difficult. There, there are some positives um, in my unique circumstances. We we do have the draft uh, walls in both sites, and, and draft beer uh, attracts a much better margin if you're buying it direct from the brewer than than small pack beer does. Um, especially because we, you know, we charge an aspect of corkage for people drinking it in. They don't analyze that price versus what they can find on Google for, you know, what they can get direct from the brewery, what they can get from another bottle shop, those kind of things. They they pay for an extent because they expect to pay more to to drink in, just just like you pay slightly more for a restaurant meal than something you you know you you bought off a takeaway or, or bought out of a supermarket. Mm. But we 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 still have some flexibility in draft, and we've been very busy. We're not we're not expensive, uh, you know. We're not as cheap as, um, uh, let's say, a chain pub that attracts voucher spenders. That I won't name, um, but but when we're not the most expensive on the market at all. If I look at some some of the sort of big businesses that have gone into craft, they're looking at margins that are absolutely crazy. Um, and some of that's their locations. Again, we're we're in quite cheap places relatively. Bearing in mind Windsor, you'd think maybe not, but it's not bad. Draft sales have given us the opportunity. To, to survive um just on small pack we wouldn't and look, it, it's tough but we've made money every month because we're not paying anyone else for a slice in the middle um and we're popular and people like us um or at least they tell us they tell me they like us and um it it good places will get through this um and that's good it's mate is that it's everything though you, you can't you can't take anything for granted right now you need to be on top of what everything costs. You need to be on top of your marketing. You need to be constantly reaching out to customers, trying to get advocates in, um, staying, you know, staying relevant, staying exciting. And if you do all those things, you'll you'll be okay. I think it's the same in the brewery market. Um, there are fantastic brewers that don't know how to market themselves that will fail. Um, it, you have to have everything right now. But, but if you do, if you feel confident, you've got that all rounded out. We'll get through it. 
Yeah. <laughs> this brewery I went out to today, um, just as we were rounding up and I was getting my bike and things together to to get off, um, in the back they had some lights that you used, you know, for like photography um, mm. with the deflectors and all the rest of it. And I said, oh, do you use those for taking like your mock-ups? And he said, oh, yeah, we do them all in-house. He said, you know, a lot of people look at the quality of their like Instagram and think, oh, they must be paying a marketing agency to do that. Because, you know, they've got, like, um, um, like smoke flares, right. you know, like, with, like, like smoke in the background and, and um, you know, like, sort of chocolate pieces dripping into their stout, you know, and it's all splashing out the top. And he was saying, oh, you know, you make sure you use, like, a 1 over 4,000 shutter speed or whatever, it might be 1,400, I can't remember. It was some crazy <laughs> amount of shutter speed. I'm not that up on photography um, to a certain extent. And um, he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, you, you've you've got to do it. And it's like, you know, we, we felt like it was right to invest in a, a half-decent DSLR yeah. um, just just to do that. And, you know, and it really shows if you go on their Instagram, the kind of pictures they they post, they, they look so much better than a lot of other brewers that are literally like, I've got my iPhone, took a photo, <laughs> you know, at the wrong angle. It's always a the wrong angle just move your body into position don't just you know point the phone down at a weird angle but um i'm i'm ranting now um <laughs> you know but it, it's um yeah it's it's those little things in marketing a lot of brewers don't do well at all mm, mm, mm. but why would they you know they're brewers they make beer they're yeah. not marketeers yeah and, and i guess maybe you have to be lucky enough to have some of those skills in-house in a lot of, in a lot of cases now because you just can't afford the salary you can't afford to go to you know an agency like yourself who are fantastic but if the, if the money's not there you you, you can't spend it mm-hmm. um some, some are blessed in being jacks of all trades or some just have a mate they can call on and and yeah well done for them if they're in that situation i think we get quite lucky we've, we've got uh charlotte who works with us who's just an absolutely brilliant illustrator and she does, you know, she does all the beer boards. And, and Naomi's background prior to being in the beer industry was a as a fashion designer, right? Um, both, you know, high fashion and then the high street. And she does all of our artwork and branding. And and you know, I can <clears throat> I can run a website and, and 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 I can barter and I can talk clearly and, and type. And and you know, it, it's luck in a way that we've all come together. Um, and not not everyone maybe maybe has that. But yeah, as I say, we're. I think we've got a great team and and we'll be okay. And I think a lot of places will be okay. Mm. Um, it's always bleak, especially, I mean, you know, you know what it's, it's like news is, is clickbait, right? Um, the, the thing that's most negative gets the most attention. It's the same as if you get one bad review, you know, it's that and you don't remember the 10 good ones you've had just before it. Um, and I, I sort of try and remind myself that for all of the sort of fear that's out there, we've still got a great business that people are interested in and excited by. And I'm sure there are a lot of people in that situation that sort of weather it and try and remain vaguely positive because, I mean, something's got to happen, right? Something's got to be done. Surely even our government can't see the majority of an industry fail and do nothing. Something's got to come along for us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what you say about the news is, with it being clickbait, is true. And it's I've been thinking a lot about... um, you know what is it getting a bit philosophical here but like what what is what is what you're giving energy to what what are you keeping in motion and in circulation and it's it's very easy to keep 
those negative news cycles in circulation, particularly with a, a platform like Twitter or Mastodon, yeah. if you now on Mastodon, or what, <laughs> where, where, whatever the next thing is, you know. And it really hit me today when I heard on, I think it was BBC News, that um, Novak Djokovic has been welcomed back into Australia. And now if you remember yes. a while back, he was banned from Australia because he yeah. refused to have a COVID vaccine at the time. I'm pretty sure so many people went on Twitter. It was like, I'm going to write my outrage. This is so incredibly yeah, yeah. outrageous. You anti-vaxxer. Now everyone's just like, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, we're bored. There's another thing to be irate about. And I'm probably even doing it through this podcast, unfortunately. But it's like, you, you know, how much of it is confirmation bias? It's like, we're, mm. we're looking for there to be a problem. And... If we, obviously, if you go on the news or Twitter, the, the problem is there and therefore you have confirmed the thing that you thought was there. Whereas, like I said, we, we don't go on to Twitter and look up happy things or go on to right. Untapped and be all like, yes, got a, another three and a half, which is <laughs> respectable in Untapped terms. You know, it's always looking at that, oh man, what half? half? I, I don't like teal coloured sours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like you say, we, we we focus on those negatives, and and yeah, you know, the more terrible the world seems, the more you're going to notice them and struggle to filter out the good stuff or, or seek out the good stuff. And obviously, as well, all of these apps um, are programmatically choosing to show us more of the stuff we engage with. Right, algorithmically, the sadder we are, the sadder technology will try and make us feel because mm-hmm. it thinks that's what we like. Um, and it's it's not a great situation when 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 the world's on fire as it currently is because you just end up in a circle where all you see is negativity. Yeah, um, you know th- there are there are success stories out there. I'm I'm convinced of it. Mm. Well, that's it. You're you're feeding the machine as the machine feeds you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's right. a very very cyclical thing. Uh, j- just to bring it back to beer, then I'm I'm quite mm. interested. Whilst talks you with with your uh, bottle shops and bar. And I think you might have answered some of the questions, but they're all anonymous, so I, I don't know who who was who. But <laughs> right. I, I put a question out recently to people like your good self who, <laughs> who um, procure beer on a regular basis about how breweries approach you t- in order to do that. Yes. And it's very interesting, some of the um, the data. I'm, I'm hoping to publish some of it soon. I'm just getting um, someone who's good with spreadsheets to sort all that out for me. <laughs> I, I ain't got time to do it. And it'll take me forever and a day. But um, I'd just be interested to ask you the question, like what are some of the mistakes that Mm. breweries make when they approach someone Mm. like you for the first time? Um, The most obvious one, and I was actually talking in one of the Facebook groups about that this week, is don't just add me to your mailing list. Um, If I've never heard of you, I've never had your beer, and I suddenly get spammed about your next hazy pale ale, I'm going to block you. It's nothing personal. I'm very busy. And I have no idea who you are or why I'm getting emailed. It's also, um, I think, illegal to, to just add a company to your distribution list without permission. Uh, so, so don't do not do that. Um, I, I mentioned a while ago about fashion, in, in, especially in the Windsor Bottle Shop. We, we do always have that problem of, of what are we going to get rid of if we bring something else in. Mm. Um, so I have to be very confident. If it's a brewery I've never heard of, um, that's kind of maybe surprising without without blowing my own trumpet i do a lot of research on breweries in in this country if i've never heard of you you're probably very small indeed you might be fantastic but i am going to need a bit of proof so that that's where we go down the realms of you, you know like by all means do email me 
just I don't want that first email to be weekly beer drops from Brewery X. I want it to be a personal email mm. um, where, you, where you said, like, you know, we're, we're trying to get new accounts. We've been going for this long. This is what we're about. Um, we'd love to send you a beer and see what you think of it. And, and if you're happy with that beer, we'd love to stock. We'd love you to stock us. Um, and we'll, we'll go down that. I've got time for that. And, you know, it, sometimes it takes us a while. You've experienced this, Nick. You've sent me beer and it's taken me two months to remember I've got it in the fridge and drink it. Um, <laughs> is, but, is it still in your fridge now? <laughs> uh, no, I think I've gone through hey. it. I think. <laughs> um, but we will. And, and if I can't myself, I'll, I'll get one of our staff members to, to do it as well. Um, and, and if it's good beer, we'll, we'll find time for it. Um, it has to have everything in, in small pack, though. It, it, it also needs to have a sort of marketable story of sorts. It can just be great can art. Um, I found actually, I was going to say it can have a cause, but weirdly people seem surprisingly against buying a beer if it says it's for a cause. I I can't explain that to you at all. I reckon if you did like an AB test on branding and you had the exact same beer in both cans at the same price, but one said money was going for charity and the other didn't, the charity one would sell slower. I've no idea why. I've no idea why. I don't know what it is um that let, yeah. let, let, let's just discuss that for a minute because yeah. that's, that's 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 really odd because if you think about <laughs> maybe that's just Windsor I don't know but if, if you think <laughs> about the psychology of why people buy things from a brand they often are doing it because they align themselves with the value of the brand so yeah. we'll take we'll take everyone's favorite brewery in the entire world Brewdog as an example ah. like so yeah. when, when when Brewdog first came out you know, when I say first came out, we're going back to sort of the earlier years. You know, it was all about this craft beer revolution, sticking it to the man and so on and so forth. That that was the thing they were marketing. So they weren't marketing their beer. They were marketing sticking it to the man. Yeah. And people who align themselves with that quote-unquote punk ethic. Yeah. Or if you think about another an independent brewery that will remain nameless but are quite virtuous and and all the rest of it there's a lot of that in their ethos and i don't think that's a bad thing at all you know i I think it's a good thing um and and people align themselves with that because they're like well you know i i'm woke i want to uh, obtain virtue and I was going to say nobility, but it sounds a little bit period drama. But you, you, you know what I mean. Um, no, I think I know where you. I know where you're getting towards. I, I, I do. Generally speaking, people people would prefer to support something that you know is for a cause that they can identify with, or they think deserves championing. Um, there, there might be an argument with the breweries you're talking about about how genuine some of that is. Um, but, but nonetheless, people want to be on that. They, they want to be on that train. They want to feel like you know we're part of a collective. I think. Uh, a whole uh, how wide do I get in this like people always seem to feel the need to be part of some kind of club I think or Mm. collective or or group and struggle when they're not and we're off piece from the point I was making about charity which I'll I'll see if I can possibly bring this back to god you can do it Um, (laughs) (laughs) but but you know you know it's it's when a bubble butts up against the bubble in the social space and and we're so shocked because we've been in that little group for so long but I I guess I just don't understand why people need to assign themselves such small like subsets of a community in the first place just like let let you know let people get on and, and and be people if I if I can support a good cause I'm very very happy to but 
I don't need to look over at what other groups are doing and, and judge them, you know, either. I'm, I'm just happy to let people live to the most part. And everything's an argument now. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, this is nowhere near the charity point. I, I don't know what that is. I, I really don't. I just feel like maybe it's, this isn't something that's been in my consciousness. So I'm just going to kind of subconsciously avoid it. I don't think it's necessarily something that people achieve. It's not like I'm seeing a cancer research can and saying, Haha, no, I mean, they deserve it. Obviously no one's doing that. Mm. Um, it, it's just, if you're, if it's easier to kind of stay in your bubble and not be made to think, then maybe that's a factor. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I guess this comes back to the, what was, I was saying about earlier about dropping some of the alcohol intake that I'm having a, a friend of mine said to me when I was like, just hold me accountable about, you know, just ask me every other day, you know, send me a WhatsApp message. Like if you had a beer today or how many beers have you had tonight or whatever. And, but before we got as far as that, he said to me, why, why do you want to do this? Like what's the thing behind the thing? Mm. And it was a good question to ask. I'm quite an introspective person. So, you know, I'll, I'll go down all kinds of rabbit warrens to, to fish out an answer for a question like that. And I think like if I'm part of me is kind of like, well, you know, I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to, you know, um, I've got a, a tough half marathon coming up next May in Eam, which is very hilly in the peaks. So I, I need to be in better condition than I am now for that. But I, 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 I want to lose a bit of weight. Um, I don't want to be, doing as much damage to my liver as yeah. I probably have done for a while. You know, I want, I want, I'd sooner have one beer every day and enjoy a long, healthy life than have some really intense sessions and some Definitely. imperial stouts and the shorter life. So there's, there's all that kind of like health aspect to it. But then when I dug down further, I was like, maybe, you know, maybe I, and if I'm truth be told, I am doing this, there's no way maybe about it. I, like, life's not great at the moment for, for lots of yeah. reasons. You know, like say you look at the world and, you know, there's war, there's cost of living, you know, I run a business and that's tough in an industry that's really quite tough, particularly at the moment when the chips are down for, for most people. It's kind of like, well, beer numbs all that, you know, you, you, mm. you kick back and have a beer. Like you don't, when you kick back and have a beer, not that I'm trying to use alcohol as a kind of like, oh, I'm, just drowning my sorrows or anything but it's kind of like <laughs> i don't want to think about it i want to think about something fun and lighthearted, like yeah you know like the, the you know what's on the that can or you know the flavors that i'm experiencing i, I, I don't want is. to get all philosophical like i'm getting now i i have in my time been called an avoidant coper so for anyone who's, who's had a little bit of therapy in their life which i'm happy to tell people that i have it is you know rather than hit the problem head on you you distract yourself from it and you know i think that there's a difference but you do need to check in with yourself because certainly at the moment i'm also drinking too much again um you know well i i'm kind of consoling myself by the idea but yeah it's the christmas season i'll get to january and then i'll sort it out which might or might not be a sensible approach but it's one of the things that when I have, I forget about the other stuff for a while because I love it. It's an experience that I really enjoy. Um, just the same way that if there's an absolutely fantastic box set on TV, I'll do. I'll watch that. And I don't need to be drinking while I'm doing that. That's got my full attention. Or, or you know, go to see a film, go to see some live music, whatever it is. Beer, beer for me is in that category. Um, it, it's something that just allows me to not worry about the things that are bad. 
and and yeah you're you're right you, you do need to check in to make sure you're not just like turning them off because alcohol that, that you're doing it because you enjoy doing it and and yeah the difference between having one or two of a night like i am you know tonight with you or getting to friday and saturday and thinking i just want to not be able to stand or think anymore and having about eight pints and it, it, it's very different and I, I think i'm in the former category but i happen to keep an eye on myself as well at the moment i'll be honest <laughs> yeah it's, it's easily done you know i i mean i i've noticed just a slip over the last yeah just this last year i think where it's it's kind of like i'll, I'll just push those imperial stouts a bit harder you know and i'm a real sucker for <laughs> like imperial beers I, 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 um, the danger zones always once you've had three or four sensible cans and then it's like it's just looking at you in the fridge and oh, like, oh yeah <laughs> it, the, the, it's yeah i mean it was i think i think the, the probably the, the the crunch time and you know it was a very timely conversation with my missus about all this but i think the crunch time was when i i my first beer was like a, a tipper and then i had an imperial stout and then <laughs> another beer after that you know and it's just kind of like you you know, you build up to that sort of thing. Um, but like I said, I'm a real sucker for them. You know, I, I went to um, the Crow Inn in Sheffield, which is a great mm. craft beer pub um, with a good friend of mine called Sean. And um, we'd already had a, a good few by that point, but they had a, um, a Imperial Rye wine on and oh my goodness it was the most incredible thing i think i've ever tasted you know but after that you know i mean bless him <laughs> i was like should, I, um, we, should we get some more imperial beers in then sure tartarus brewery um you, you probably know jack jack and jordan to some extent they for their first birthday last year released um rock which is a 22 percent rye wine wow um and funnily enough on monday okay there were I'm going to say 14 or 15 of us. So it was all right. But they did two bottles of that in a 750, a 750 mil of 22% rye wine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, we split, we split it, you know, so many ways that it's just like having a shot of whiskey each kind of thing, but absolutely insane decision. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's mad. But you know, again, it's, it, it's, it's easily done once you, you've been to um, either a beer festival or an event or something. But you know, it's, it's, it, it, but it's interesting talking about, I know we've kind of completely gone off the topic oh, yeah. of cost of living and all that jazz, but on the one hand, this is the thing, it's like it's the alcohol consumption thing isn't great, particularly if you push it too much, but actually, you know, there's a lot of, like some good memories forged in some of those times. I think that's the, that, that's the segue, isn't it? It, it? It's those community experiences that that make this industry, and that, that's why I think it, the kind of places that can really foster that that can make people. You can turn up at a bar, you can make new friends. You 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 go back because they might be there, or you might make some more. Those, I think those are the places that will come out of this well. Mm. Um, if if you can't offer that to some degree, it can. You can just be a bottle shop as long as you've got good chat yourself, and you know they come in to talk to you. Um, but if you can't generate that community aspect, then all you're kind of doing is asking people to pay a bit more money than they otherwise could to be by themselves at home, maybe having a conversation with someone about if they're drinking too much or not. It's got to be about the flavours in the glass and your enjoyment of it and the people you're with and the experiences. And I think it, you know, it's so that people can have a conversation like we just had about you know that last time we met up, we were both too drunk, rather than it be, I don't know, six Imperial Stouts on the sofa by yourself at 11 o'clock on a Saturday or whatever it is. It's, yeah, the, the places that focus on community, I think, will be okay. Yeah, I, um, 
when I went to Round Corner Brewing in Melton Mowbray a few weeks back and talked to Cumby, who was the co-founder there, mm. he was saying about community and 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 I said to him, you know, I, I think that like you can you as you said about New England IPAs, you know, you they're all so much of a muchness. You you could go to a supermarket or a craft beer shop and buy a New England IPA and they will probably taste reasonably similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can buy beer in any sort of form of liquid. You know, obviously there's a whole variety of colours and flavours and aromas and all the rest of it. But you can't put a price on community, mm. you know, and, and the, the people around you. And, and when, um, when you go to those spaces whether it's a brewery tap room you go to frequently or a venue like the hoppy place you can't buy that magic yeah 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 i, I, I agree but that that's the pull it, it's you know you know we're all having a bad time whether or not you're um you know any level of income really you're going to be feeling this right now it, it really doesn't matter um and, and that's whether you're a consumer whether you're a business owner it, it's it's got to be worth it I think we'll put value on premium experiences and, and those are the places that we'll, we'll, we'll get on. Um, otherwise, people are making tough decisions and, and granted that, you know, there's a certain level at which you just can't afford to drink at all uh, and we're going to feel that a bit as well. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Fingers crossed we've, we've, we've got what we need to have, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think we should round off today's episode of the hot four podcast with i'm going out to windsor have a nice cold pint wait for all this to blow over yeah, i hope the winchester can pay its electricity bills that's the problem oh no it's, it's all boarded up no i've been eaten alive by zombies oh well dave if people want to go visit a hoppy place um how can they do that obviously we've said it's in maidenhead and windsor but how easy is it to get to for people yeah, so, so both both sites respectively are five or six minutes away from their respective train stations um, in, in Windsor and Maidenhead. So it's either Windsor and Eaton Central or it's just Maidenhead Station. Um, obviously, you can drive and park at both of them if you want to just pick up some bottles or, or also get over to our website. Um, we, we run the online business now out of Windsor because that's what does more small pack, but the vast majority of the beers we buy are in both places. So you can order from us that way as well. Um, but yeah, come down and, and have a pint at the bar. That's what we're all about. Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. <laughs>